How many of you guys uh, need margin in your life? Many of us uh, do. We need. I mean, just watching that intro video stresses you out a little bit, right? You know, we uh, just hearing that alarm clock go off. Some of y'all probably had a little, you know, some tension build up. You know, maybe you heard that this morning and you had a little frustration kick in. And uh, so we we're moving into a new series, and uh, we're talking about margin. And I think all of us would have to admit that we we probably could use some margin in our life. How many of you guys feel like? Uh, you know, from time to time, or maybe even every day. But how many of you guys feel stressed out a little bit? Anybody feel stressed out? See, I see hands everywhere. How many of you guys feel a little bit of tension, uh, maybe just from financial stress and strain in life? Anybody? Just raise your hands. Man, I feel like there's some tension financially in my life. A lot of you guys raising your hands. And so here's the thing is, you know, we, we all live in a culture that is constantly pushing us to the limits. You know, and we, we want to we, we be at everything. We want to be a part of everything. We want to be engaged. We want to be involved. We want to make sure that our kids are engaged and involved in everything. And so we push, push, push. And what happens is we, we push beyond the boundaries. We push beyond what, what is really acceptable, really, according to God's Word and according to what our bodies and our, our minds and our, our emotions can handle. And so too often what we're doing is we're pushing, pushing, pushing. Because, I mean, that's what everything says in this day and age in our culture is more, 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 more. I, I was reading an article this past week where a guy who... Is uh, you know he's he's selling his eight million dollar home and he's he's uh, it's only nine thousand square feet with about eight and a half bathrooms and and 120 acres and so they're going to build their dream house and I'm thinking, dude, I would have thought that would have been the dream house you know but that's the mentality hey it's always got to be bigger it's always got to be better it's always got to be more 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 and so that's kind of our mentality I mean many of you guys live the same way hey how can I make more how can I make more and usually what we do is we what we spend more. And oftentimes we just live in, a, in the same position, just at a different income level. And so the thing is, is I want us to look at, uh, you know, how, how, do we, how do we find margin? And so many of us feel stressed. Some, sometimes we're, it's, it's financial. Our culture push, pushes us to it. But I would say this, it's an unbiblical and unsustainable lifestyle that many of us try to live. And that's the reason there's so much wear out. And what, what does that wear out look like? Sometimes it's health. Man, you know, there's, there's stress, and stress is one of the worst things for your body. And so physically, physically, our health pays the price for the lifestyle that we're trying to live. So as we look at what, what is margin, I can remember, you know, there was, there's times whenever there's catchphrases or there's statements or there's words that become popular, and, and we'll just say that, that word has become kind of a catchphrase. You know, a few years ago, all you ever heard was paradigm, paradigm. And I'm thinking, what is paradigm? Is that two dimes? Or what, I mean, what is that, you know? And, and, and so... It gets to the point where we're trying to figure out, all right, what does this mean? So I remember whenever everybody said, hey, man, you need margin in your life. And I remember thinking, you know, margin, what, are, what, what, is, what the heck are you talking about margin? margin? You're talking about like on a piece of paper? And so let me show this graphic here. This is what I thought of whenever I thought of uh, margin as a piece of paper. Y'all got that? Throw that up there. There you go. So that red line over here, you see the red line? When I was growing up, that was margin, and you weren't supposed to go outside of the margin. Has anybody else learned that in school? You know, you weren't supposed to go outside of the margin. And so I'm thinking, all right, do I need a red line in my life? So, hey, man, don't go past the red line. And, and so I began to ask questions, you know, of myself. You know, what, is, what does it mean to have margin? And, uh, and so for me, margin was something that I needed to try to figure out. Number one, what is margin? And, and so I want us to do that today. So here's the here's definition. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Uh, Andy Stanley did a, a message uh, a few years ago called uh, Pushing It to the Limit. And that was the definition that he gave. 
And it's a pretty good definition. It says it's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Necessary is what you have to have to get it done. And the, and the margin is what the difference is. And so here's another one. It's the difference between what you, what you have and what you need. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. There's a good book out there on margin. Uh, Pastor Daniel put it on my desk a few weeks ago out there. It's, this, this book here is by Dr. Richard uh, Swenson. It's called Margin. And look at, I don't know if you can read it, but it says, Restoring Emotional physical, financial, and time resources to overloaded lives. How many of you guys feel overloaded sometimes? Raise your hand if you feel overloaded. We feel like we're just carrying more than we should be. You know, we talk about having an abundant life. Jesus said, I've called you to an abundant life, and sometimes we feel like the abundance is the burden. That's not what he meant. What he means is abundant life to where we're, we're enjoying this life. Many of us feel like we're enduring this life. We're thinking, hey, man, if I can just endure a little bit longer, you know, then man, maybe one day I'll get to go to heaven and it'll all be good there. God intends for abundant life to begin here and now, not just in heaven. And so the thing is, is oftentimes we live these overwhelmed lives, stressed out lives. And so how do we get to the point of where there's a little bit of margin in there? So, so here's the thing is, you know, if you're trying to figure out, hey, what is margin? Margin is like if you have 30 minutes, you know, to get to get to some place and it takes 20 minutes, then you have what? You have 10 minutes of margin. And so how many of you guys always like to leave with 10 minutes of margin? Raise your hand if you like to have 10 minutes of margin. Raise your hand. All right, not very many people. How many of you guys get there, you know, you get there by the skin of your teeth? You know, you really, I mean, if you get there, you are on time. Raise your hand if you're one of those where you, hey, I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be on time. How many of you guys are like five minutes late? You're five minutes late. Yeah, I hear you. You're five minutes late. And I could keep going. There's some of you that will come even, even later than that. I used to joke with my wife, and I would tell her, say, hey, listen, baby, whenever it says that it starts at 9, that doesn't mean we leave the house at 9. You know, we've got to be there. And I'm on staff. I need to be there a little bit early. Some of our biggest fights is when we first got married, and I was on staff at a church. And, I, you know, my thing is I wanted to get there early, make sure things were set up, everything was right. And Laurie, and we would argue because she wanted us to ride in the same car. The best thing we ever did was drive separate vehicles. It cost us more. But I'm just telling you, it saved our marriage. And so some of you guys may have to drive separate vehicles. I'm just saying. But it was one of those things we had to work through. So, so for what we do is we, have, we establish a little bit of margin. Now, some of you guys, it sounds like it doesn't have a whole lot of margin. So here's the thing. Like, if you've got bills, and the bills that you've got to pay is $100, and you've only got, you've got $80, then you've got $20 of margin. So that's how that works. So it's, a little, it's more than what is necessary. It's what's left over. And so I want us to uh, look at a, a story of someone who I feel like, you know, you know who, who's going to see what margin is about today. And this is out of Luke chapter 10. So if you've got uh, your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read about a couple of ladies. But here's the thing. How does margin play out in everyday life? You know, and so this is what I would say. You know, most of us would like to have margin. Just hearing what I just said, you say, you know what, I would like to have some margin in my life. And what does that margin look like? Or how does that play out in an everyday life? It may be that some of you guys, whenever you get to the end of the month, you still have a little bit of money in the bank. Because most of us, you know, we, we get to the end of the month, and man, we've, we've got more month than we've got money. You know, or maybe, maybe there's, just in your schedule, you're always going, going, going. One of the things, you know, that I, I hear all the times is, especially moms, is saying, I just don't have any time for myself. I'm taking care of my husband because he don't do squat around the house or whatever. You know, or I'm taking care of my kids, you know, or I'm taking care of this. And who's going to do it if I don't do it type deal? You know, and, and, and oftentimes I hear wives or, or I hear uh, women say, I just wish I could take a nap. I don't get an amen out of that from the ladies. But here's the thing. 
is, is if you had margin, you might have time for a nap. You might be able to take a 15-minute nap or a 30-minute nap or an hour nap, whatever you have to have. But the thing is, is you had enough margin in your schedule, you might be able to do that. And so margin is, that, that's kind of how it plays out. Maybe, maybe emotionally, you know, you're, you're at a point where, you know, you've got, enough, you've got enough going on here that, you know what, you have margin that if something happens in life, you don't freak out, you don't fall apart, you don't wig out, but you go, you know what, hey, God's got this. We're good. Your kid comes in with something, it catches you off guard, but you know what, you, you're, you're okay because you've got enough emotional margin there. Or either, even I would say in some spiritual things, there's some places where you're tempted that you just have to say, you know what, I can't really be around that because if I do, I will, I will give in, I'll end up falling. You know, and so I'm just going to put some margin between that and me. And maybe it's considered a buffer zone. And we do that, we do that with a lot of things around here as a church. We just say, you know what, we're, not, we're going to avoid the appearance of evil. And so that's called a buffer zone. So let's look at what happens here. It's, and this is in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says... At, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be, had to be made. And she, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so when we read that story there, many of you ladies are probably thinking about, hey, when a guest comes in your house, like the, the, when I get in trouble the most is when I bring somebody to our house, and I didn't tell Laurie. I didn't tell my wife about it. You know what I'm saying? She's like, why didn't you tell me somebody was coming over? And I, and I, I always get in trouble because I say, well, if you just keep the house clean, we wouldn't have to worry about that. That doesn't go over real well. And so... So anyway, and I don't say that. I'm just letting y'all know. I don't say that. She's in the next service, so I'll, you know, I'll say that one in here. But the thing is, is what I, I get in trouble because I, I bring somebody in. She's like, why didn't you tell me they were coming? And so what Martha is doing is kind of like what Laurie did. Hey, listen, we've got to make sure everything's right. We've got to make sure everything's clean, everything's right, everything's set up. You guys know how that is. And so Martha is focused on those things. But Mary is focused that this guy who is coming into the home is the Son of God. This guy who is, who is about to sit down in, in, in our living room or our, our feeding area or whatever you call it, our, our kitchen, this guy is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He, he is the one that can change everything. He is the one that can set us free. He is the one that will really, literally bring life to those who are, are held in captive. And so she was focused on the right things. And so Martha, and here, here's what's, what's crazy, is Martha really felt like, that she was right. She really thought that she was right. She's like, you know, I'm going to go to Jesus, and I'm going to get him to scold my sister, and I'm going to get him to get on her because she's being lazy. Now, how many of you guys, whenever you're working with someone, and you're doing your job, and they don't do their job, you get really worried about them not doing their job? Anybody? Raise your hand. Well, you may not want to raise your hand on that one. But anyway, here's the thing. is what I, My kids, oftentimes with my boys... You know, I'll, I'll give them a sign. Hey, listen, guys, I need you doing this, this, and this. And, the, and, and one of them will always want to complain about what the other one's not doing. I say, hey, listen, if you'll do your job, you'll be good with me. But if you don't do your job to complain about them not doing their job, you're not going to be good with me. And so here's what we do sometimes. We're so worried about somebody else not doing their job 
that we don't do our job. And so here's Martha. You know, she is so worried about her sister not doing something that she's really not focused on the right things. And so what we have to do is we have to be careful that, you know what, we, we focus on what matters most. So Martha was distracted by what many of us would call good things. I think it's a good thing to have clean utensils, right? I think it's a good thing to have the place set up right. I think it's good to put all the dishes out you know, if somebody's coming over to eat. I get that. But what happens is too often we get focused on good things instead of the best things. And so we can become so focused on the good things that we miss the best things. And so think about that. Here's Mary who is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And some of you ladies, I know, you know kind of in your own kind of way, you're looking and saying, man, you know, I can't believe Mary just sitting there not helping out. Whenever Jesus, he, he literally affirmed her and he said she chose the right thing. She chose the best thing. And, and think back to what Jesus said. You know, here we are again. We get so focused on things. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. We've got to have more. We've got to be right. Everything's got to be just right. The lamps have got to be turned on. If everybody's coming over, hey, make sure the lamps are turned on. Hey, make sure that, you know, the, the shoes are put away. Make sure the clothes are picked up. Make sure there's toilet paper on the roller. You know, we got to, we go through all that. And the most important thing may be, hey, you know what, just sit there at your house. That you've got an opportunity to build a relationship. You've got an opportunity to invest in them. You've got an opportunity to love on people. So what happens is we get like Martha and we get focused on good things and we miss out on the best things. And so here's, here's a statement. You guys have probably heard this your whole life. If Satan can't make you really, really bad, he will make you really, really busy. If he can't make you really, really bad, he'll make you really, really busy. To where you're so focused on other things that you, you, you can't slow down for time with him. You can't slow down to, to help someone who's in need. You can't slow down because you're so busy. You've got so much to do. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but, you know, you are the one that puts most of the stuff on your schedule. And we're going to talk about scheduling throughout this series, but you're the one that oftentimes puts it on you. And there may be, you know, and I tell people all the time, there's, there's a time to say no. There's a time to say no. Some people have a tough time saying no. They want, they want everybody to like them. They want everybody to feel like, that, you know what, hey, they're busy. You know what, they can get it done. And it becomes about ego sometimes rather than about what is healthy and what is best. And so sometimes we just got to be willing to say no to good things for what is best. And so when we look back at what Martha was doing there, many of us think, hey, well, that's the right thing. She was doing the right thing. You know, and Martha thought, hey, this is the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. You know, and I know that if I go to Jesus, he's going to reprimand my, my sister. He's going to put her in order. He's going to take care of this. But Jesus had something else to say. And so here's the thing. Like I said, we often think we're right. And that is what is so hard with changing us and changing our culture is because the culture says you should be busy you should you should be working hard you should be working to make more money you should be working to you know to build your investments you should be working so that you can retire one day you should be going on more trips you should be taking longer vacations you should be should you should be doing all these things that's what the culture screams but look at what jesus said again i don't want to submit this but few things are needed you see where he said that in verse 42? But few things are needed. See, God will meet our needs. He just doesn't give us our, our every want. But oftentimes our want list is ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, few things are needed. And listen to this. He said, are indeed only one. Is Jesus really Lord of our life? Or is he just mixed in there with a bunch of idols? Is he mixed in there with a bunch of other things that are more important maybe than he is? 
Is He just kind of thrown in the mix? Or is He truly Lord of our life? Is He truly the one that we bow down? I mean, the songs that we were singing, man, we're, we're saying, man, I'm a child of God. He is my King. He is my Lord. We're singing things back to Him. We're saying things back to Him. But does our lifestyle reflect that? Maybe in that song it does. But hey, what about our, our, throughout the week? Does it look like that Jesus is really Lord of our life? There's a passage in Romans chapter 12. Many of you guys know this verse. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Paul is pleading. He's, he, said, he goes, I beseech you in some verses. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, what happens is we're so, we're so focused on the pattern that this world has that we don't know what God wants for us. We don't know what is best. We're, we're looking at maybe some good things whenever God is saying, hey, listen, I've got the best things for you. And so our focus is on the things of this world. And so Paul is saying, hey, I beg of you, I plead with you, do not do that. He said, I beg of you, I plead with you to give your body to the cause of Christ. Let it be a living sacrifice. Like I said, does your lifestyle back up what you claim? Let me read it again. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. That God will say, He is living the way I desire for my followers to live. She is living the way that I desire my followers to live. Followers to live. They are lined up. They're not focused on all these things. They're not focused on all these accomplishments. They're not focused on all this, 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 this stuff that will make them just busier and just wear them out. But they're focused on the kingdom of God. Focus first on the kingdom of God. Focus on, on my relationship with you. And here's the thing. I'll give you all this other stuff. Focus on me first is what God is saying. And so here's a couple of things that I'll tell you guys. You know, we've talked about margin, what it is. So let me give you a couple of things that happen. When your margin decreases, when your margin in your life decreases, your stress increases. When your margin in your life decreases, your stress levels will increase. That's going to happen. And so here's the thing is, whenever being late, now I, I was joking a while ago about some of you guys being late. I don't like being late, period. And if, I'm, if, I'm, if I've got somewhere to be and I'm looking at the clock and, I, and I'm going, I'm going to be late, my, my stress level begins to go up. We, we tell our staff here, you know, to, to be on time is late. Early is on time. In other words, we have a meeting at, you know, 8 o'clock. We really want you here about 10 minutes to 8. That's what we tell our staff. And so, you know, that some of our staff really struggle with that. I'm going to be honest with you. They really struggle with that. And so the thing is, is we, you know, whenever we've got that buffer, we don't come in frantic. We don't come in stressed. But whenever, you know, if we're watching the clock, and it's getting down closer and closer as you're driving. Your stress level gets up. Now, some of you don't bother you whatsoever, but it does me. You know, and so the thing is, is it's being late. And like I said, we get to the end of our month, you know, and we start looking at, you know, hey, we still got some bills to pay. And, man, we, we don't have enough money. So then we start looking, hey, you know, how can, we, how can we cover these bills? And we start maybe using credit cards. And then we say, well, hey, well, we can cover it this, you know, this month, but I'm going to pay that off at the end of next month. And then you get to the end of the next month, and it's not paid off, and it begins to build. And then the interest begins to compound. And before you know it, man, you're stressed out over your finances. And so I think all of us agree that the less margin that we have, 
the more that our stress increases, the more that we get stressed out. Emotionally, relationally, man, it affects everything. I, I do premarriage counseling, and I, I tell every, every couple this. There's three major things that they have to really work on. One is communication. Communication affects everything. And so if you're, if, if, you know, if you're not communicating well with your, with your staff or with your team, you need to work on that. But I, I, I tell our staff all the time, you know, we work on communication every week as a staff. We're constantly working at it. We have apps that try to help us with that. But I don't know if you guys have this problem, but I know families, husbands and wives, who sleep in the same doggone bed that have, a trouble, have trouble communicating. So you have to work at communication. It's not like, hey, we fixed it. It's all good now. It is every day you're having to work at communication. You're having to change things. And you're having to remember, hey, how do I speak in a language that my spouse understands? How do I speak their love language? How do I, how do I you know, you can't, I can't just say something and hope they got it. There's oftentimes I, I may have to ask, hey, listen, and, and one of my favorite sayings around here is, hey, are we clear? Am I clear? Are we clear? I want to make sure that the, the communication was clear. And so what we have to do is we have to work at communication. The other one is going to be finances. In a marriage, finances will kill a marriage. If you get to the point of where finances... For women love stability. They want to feel safe, secure. They want there to be stability. And when the finances are in disarray and, you know what, hey, man, we're running out of month. Or we're running out of money in a month. You know, so what they do is it begins to stress them out. And here's the thing, the, the, the relational intimacy will crash. And so the third thing is intimacy. Intimacy, and I'm not just talking about sex. Now, sex is a big part of intimacy, let me, let me, let me say. It's the good part of intimacy to me. But the thing is, is you've got sex, but that backs up to communication. That, that backs up to into me see that you know who I am. I'm able to be transparent with you and you love me anyway. That's intimacy. I can share with you my frustrations. I can share with you, and we love each other anyway. That's intimacy. And then you get to celebrate it with, with sex, which is a gift from God in the marriage. In the marriage. And so whenever we get to celebrate those things. So here's the second thing. Your relational intimacy decreases when your margin decreases. Your relational intimacy decreases. Your relational intimacy, it will decrease. And so people, you know, we, we struggle with that. Our relational intimacy begins to decrease. So those are the three things that every marriage has to work at. But it affects a lot of other relationships as well. And so our relational intimacy will decrease. And so people get too busy sometimes for God because we're stressed out over things. You know, there's times you ever go out on a date, maybe with your spouse and you're sitting there, but in your mind you're really thinking about something. Maybe it's something going on with the kids. Moms, you know, sometimes you have a tough time turning off the kids, you know, and, and you're like, I'm worried about the kids. Hey, listen, they're okay. They're in a good situation. Let's enjoy this date. You know, but the husbands may be thinking, I'm stressed out over work. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to make ends meet? You know, and so we're, we're wondering, hey, i got this promotion coming up. Am I going to make it? Am I going to be the one selected? And so you go out on a date, and it's supposed to be a time to where you're working on intimacy, but because you're stressed over finances or you're stressed over your busy schedule or whatever, you're thinking about what you could be accomplishing if you were not on this date, and the date ends up stinking because you don't really put a whole lot into it because you're really somewhere else. That sound like some of your dates? It sounds like a lot of people's dates. So we have to work at having that margin. We can be with people and be so focused on something else that we're not really there. I want to I share something with you. It's kind of a confession, if you will. And by the way, I've already confessed this to my wife. But um, talk about margin. 
You know, Laurie and I, we've always had this agreement that if, if we make any kind of purchases, uh, especially a big purchase, we're going to talk about it. And so uh, many of you guys know I like to hunt and I like to fish and I like to do stuff outdoors. And, and so, uh, so anyway, so I had been kind of looking around. Our boat is messed up, so I had to have it in the shop, and it was in the shop. And so I just kind of started looking at boats, and I saw this really good deal on a boat. And, uh, and so anyway, so I went to look at that boat, and I, I took my youngest son with me. You know, and, uh, and so we're there, and we're looking at this boat, and it's a really good deal. How many of you guys like a really good deal? Raise your hand if you like a really good deal. Man, I love a good deal, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is a great deal. And I'm sitting there thinking, and so I'm talking to the guy, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking this is a good deal on this boat. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, I'm going to go ahead and buy it, but I haven't talked to Laurie yet. Big mistake, big mistake right there. I'm confessing sin right there. So, uh, so I, I didn't talk to Laurie about it, so I went ahead and purchased this boat. And so then I'm thinking, man, it's not going to be good when I get home. It's not going to be a good conversation. So we get home. I didn't say anything that day. So I waited till the next day, and I'm thinking, man, how am I going to do this? So anyway, so we're going up to the lake, and uh, Laurie, Laurie, we're sitting there at the dinner table or whatever, or at the bar that night. It was me and Laurie and Christian were sitting there, and, and, Laurie, and I, Laurie said, hey, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're going to take the boat. And she goes, whose boat? I said, our boat. <laughs> and she goes, our boat? And I said, yeah, our boat. She goes, when do we get a boat? And uh, she go, and I said uh, a couple of days ago. And she and and she goes, Christian, go to, go to your room. And and I'm like, dang, you know. And so it's one of, it's a really awkward moment, you know. And and so anyway, we have this dialogue. And so here's the thing: what brought that relational stress? Number one was I didn't communicate. That's on me. So I'm confessing it to you guys. I, I blew it right there. She, you know, she she still says I'm in a doghouse. I keep telling her that Jesus says to quickly and thoroughly forgive, just like He did. But that ain't working out real good yet. So, uh, so she keeps telling everybody I'm, I'm in a doghouse. And so here's the thing, though, is that what it did is it decreased margin. You know, I, it, we, had, we had the money to pay for it. But here's the thing. It decreased margin. So what did it do? It increased relational strain. Lack of communication and decreased margin caused issues. Now, I see some of y'all kind of whispering to each other like, you know what? You know, that, that, you know and maybe, here's the thing. Don't ask for forgiveness. You know, here's the thing. You've got you to be willing to say, you know what? I shouldn't do that on the front end. So I was wrong in that. And, and so it's one of those things that we have to work at, but it will affect the intimacy of your relationship. It will strain that whenever we, re, we decrease margin. So here's, here's what I would say. The Bible has, tells, talks about a, a come-to-Jesus moment. You know, and so we have to have these come-to-Jesus moments. And some of you guys, you know, you need a come-to-Jesus moment. Because a lot of what I've described today is your life. You're stressed out. You, you know, you're wigging out about how you're going to pay your bills. You know, maybe, maybe you're robbing from everybody. You're trying, you know, you're, 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 you're just, you're struggling just to enjoy a day because of the bills or maybe because of your schedule. You know, and, I, and I know, listen, there's so many of us that we have this tendency that we think, well, if I'm not busy, then I'm wasting time. Or if I'm not busy, I'm insignificant. And that is a lie from hell. If you are not busy, that's okay. Now, if you have something to do, you have a responsibility, then yeah, be busy about that. But it, here's the thing. The Bible tells us we need to be still and know that God is who He is. You know, that we're able to be still before Him. There's times that we need to rest. We're even given a Sabbath, a day of rest. God modeled that. He created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into existence, and then He rested. He modeled it. The God that we serve, He modeled rest, but many of us don't rest. Because we say, well, I don't have any margin. I don't have time to. I wish I could. And so there's a lot of moms that I think... It does something for their ego to talk about how busy they are and who all they take care of and what all they have to do. When God says you're living wrong, 
you're living wrong. So listen to this passage here out of Matthew. And then Jesus said, come to me. So he's talking about a, a come to Jesus meeting. This is what he's talking about. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I'll give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Man, that's promising, isn't it? For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Remember, Jesus already said, man, only a few things are needed. Mainly one, a relationship with Him. And so the question would be, and I would ask all of you guys this, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust God to meet your needs? You trust Him for salvation. Many of us, we will trust Him for salvation, but we don't trust Him financially. We don't trust Him to provide. We don't trust Him to, you know, to, to fill us with, with Him to the point that we're not looking for everything else to fill this void. So do we trust God enough? Do we trust Jesus enough to really live for Him and to maybe say no to some things? And, to, and here's the thing, is to, to give our, our, our family margin. Let me read it again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I would just say this, that maybe some of you who come to me who are overwhelmed, who are wore out, who are frazzled, who are struggling, who don't know how I'm going to make ends meet this month. Come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. See, I believe that God's Word can teach us how to live in a way that does line up with His Word, that is not wearing us out, that we're not going through life frazzled, we're not going through life stressed out, but we're walking through life with peace. And the very fruits of the Spirit show up in our life, the ones that we read about, the ones that we talk about, that it's not just talk and it's not just reading, but it's really something that has become an application in our life. And so Jesus says, I will teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what your soul is? Your soul is the very center, the very core of who you are. It's your heart. The Bible often refers to it as the heart. When when someone asks Jesus to come and live within their heart, He's the center of who we are. He is our soul. He is in the very center of who we are. And so Jesus says, I will give you rest for your souls. Instead of laying in the bed with anxious thoughts. Many of you can't even go to sleep at night because you sit there and you think and you think and you dwell and you dwell and you worry and there's anxiety and there's fret. And then whenever you do fall asleep, it's from exhaustion rather than just getting rest. And then oftentimes you hear that alarm go off like in the opening video and you you just begin to get stressed out all over again. But Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. In Psalms 46.10 it says, Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time that you were able to just be still? Not do anything. Not clean anything. Not think about what needed to be clean. Not think... Because what happens is a lot of times we sit down and we're like, Hey, I'm going to be still before God. And we start looking, well, I mean, the grass needs to be cut. You know, this, this rug needs to be vacuumed. That... that Ceiling fans got cobwebs on it. I mean, I need to get that. And so what we do is we're still in that mode. But the Scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and just worship me. Be still and just focus on who I am is what God is saying. 
And so how many of us find that time day in, day out? Because we need it every day. You know, we, we're, just, we're just still before the Lord. And man, we just, we just lean into Him and we, we trust Him. We trust Him. Many of you guys get up and as soon as the alarm gets off, your schedule's already started. There's no time for God in there because you've got to go straight from there to the shower to get woke up. Because man, if I don't go ahead and get in the shower, I won't be awake or whatever. Then I've got to go get coffee. If I don't get coffee, I won't be awake and I'll be mean to everybody. And so we kind of go through all that. And before you know it, it's like, man, I don't really have time for God. I need to get on my schedule. And then we say, well, I'll do it later in the day. And when we get home, we go through all of our stuff that we've already got scheduled and that we have put on ourselves. We stress ourselves out. We stress our family out. We stress our kids out because they've got to be involved in everything because they're going to be good kids and they're going to be honor roll kids and they're going to be this and they're going to be that. And so we put all that on them. And then again, at night, we get there and we just literally collapse from exhaustion. So the Scripture is pretty clear. Be still and know that I am God. Look what it says in Isaiah fifty-eight eleven: The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Look at Psalms 119, 105. I love this through 106. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. Does that sound like you? Does that sound like the life that you live, man, that you trust God to provide? Or is it all on you? Are you the God in your life? Do you sit on the throne? Is everything about you? Is everything got to come through you? Or do you really lean into God and trust God to provide? Trust God to give you wisdom? Trust God to you know, open a door, close a door? Do you trust God? Or is it all on you? And so here's the thing is, those scriptures are telling us, Lord, you will guide my ways. So, God, I I need you in my life. I need you guiding me. God, your word, it's a lamp to guide my feet. So, God, I I need your word in me. God, I need your word in my mind. I need your word so that I am focused on what is best. And we go back over here to Romans. It is what is perfect. God, what you have for me is the best. It's perfect. So, God, that's what I want. And I'm tired of following the pattern of this world. Look at these next steps here. I think this would be good for some of us. To set aside five minutes every day to be still. This week. You know, and some of you guys will buck this. Some of you guys say, Mike, that all sounds good. You know, I, I understand. You know, that, that, that's what I should do. But you just don't understand my schedule. And you're right, I don't. But God does. You might say, well, Mike, you know, you don't understand my financial situation. I don't, but God does. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought that you will think. He, but He knows what you think before it ever rolls off your tongue. God knows everything about you. And so my, my, my challenge to you is, would you be willing to say, God, I'm going to give you five minutes. And for some of you, one minute may be tough. That first day, it's going to be like, man, I can't get slowed down. I can't get my mind turned off. And so you begin to struggle with that. But here's my thing is stay the course. Every year, you know, I, I love to hunt. And so oftentimes on the very first day of the season, I'll get in my stand and, man, I'm sitting there, and I keep looking at my watch, and I'm like, dude, it's only been five minutes. Dude, it's only been five minutes, you know. And, 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 and so it takes me a while to decompress. It takes me a while for my mind to slow down. It takes me a while to enjoy God's creation. It takes me a while to really enjoy that moment. And so for some of you guys, that first day may be a struggle, but maybe by the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth, you begin to go, you know what, this is awesome. To be in God's presence. 
Man, just to be still and not do anything, not think about anything, not fix anything, but just enjoy who He is. Just be still for five minutes. Here's the, here's the second one. Maybe today you say, to, 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 to decide right now, something has to change in my life. See, there's a lot of you in this room that raised your hand that, man, I'm stressed, financially stressed, whatever it might be, emotionally stressed. Nothing's going to change unless you're willing to make some adjustments. And maybe today, for the first time, you say, you know what? I want, I want to give God a chance. I, I, I want to live my life according to God's Word and not according to the pattern of this world. I follow the pattern of this world and it's killing me. It's slowly killing me. It's like a slow death. And so, you know, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a shot. It's God, I want you to teach me. God, I want you to show me. And God, I want you to help me become a person who lives according to your precepts. Remember what it said up there? It says, I will obey your righteous regulations. And so maybe this week you, you begin to say, you know what, something's got to... Or maybe today, I would just say today you say something's got to change. Or I'm going to die young. Man, I'm, I'm going to go through life miserable. And so something has got to change today. And so what's that going to be? Maybe today you say, you know what, God, I am going to trust you. God, I, I am going to trust you. With my finances. God, I'm going to trust you relationally. I'm going to trust you emotionally. God, I'm going to trust you to provide what is needed. God, I want peace in my life. I want peace for my soul. And then look at the third one there. I choose today to let God transform me and change my thinking. See, I can't do that for you, but I wish I could. But you can. You can say, God, I choose today to accept you and your will and your plan for my life. God, I choose today to say, God, I, I want my thinking to change. I want to quit thinking the way the world thinks. I want to think the way that you think. God, I, I, I want to live according to your pattern, not to the, the pattern of this world. God, I want you to change my thinking. And let me just say this. That begins with Him changing your heart. That begins with Him changing your heart. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ. You have never confessed to God that, God, I am broken. I am in need of a Savior. See, Mary knew. She knew something. She said, this is the Savior of the world. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This is the one that can change everything. And maybe she had been stressed and she found her Savior. And she bows at His feet. And she worships Him and listens to Him. And there may be some of you in here today, you go, you know what, man, that's what I've been looking for. And so maybe today you realize, Jesus, He can be my Savior. He can be my Lord. He can change me. And so you have found out today that truth. And maybe for the first time you want to put your faith in Christ for salvation. You want to be saved. You want to be His child. You want, you want to follow His teaching. And if that's your decision today, it's a simple step of surrender. It's a huge, impactful step, but it's a simple step. And so maybe today, for the first time, you realize, man, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender to the Savior. So I want to ask everybody, if you would, just to bow your heads and, and just kind of close your eyes. And if you're here and that's you, you say, Mike, that's, that's me. I want to surrender to the Savior. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be the leader of my life. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. And so right where you're at, I want to lead you through a simple prayer. And it's a step of surrender. And so I just want you, if you would, just to say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess to you that I am broken. 
Jesus, I confess to you that I need salvation. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have in me, Jesus, I put my faith in you and what you did on the cross and what you did through the power of the resurrection. And so, Jesus, with that same power, I'm asking you to come into my life and to change me. I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. And so, Jesus, I know that if you're going to change my thinking, you have to change my heart. Your word says that you give me a new heart. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have today, I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk you through a simple prayer. Just, just pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through you. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me. And, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. Jesus, I want to turn to you. I want to follow you. And here's the thing. He will change the way you think. He will change the way you live. He will set you free. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody else is looking, just me. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. I just prayed with all the faith that I have to receive Christ. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody? Most of us in this room, it looks like nearly everybody in this room, is either already a Christian or you're still trying to figure out if you're ready to take that step. But here's the thing I would ask all of you in this room that claim to be believers. Are you living in such a way that your life is a testimony of God's peace? Are you living in a way that your, your life is a testimony of God's love? Are you living in a lifestyle that is sustainable? That's not, that, that, are you living stress-free? Are you living in a way, you know what, that your trust is in the Lord? Then if not, what adjustments are you going to make over these next few weeks, or maybe even starting today, that will change that? Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. And God, we, we all need margin in our life. And so God, I pray that you would change us. God, I pray that none of us in this room would be, would be satisfied with just kind of following the pattern of the world. But God, we would want to be more and more like Christ. And God, we'd want to be a witness of your saving grace and of your peace that you offer. Rest for our souls. God, let us live that out this week. For every believer in this room, God, I pray that we would walk in such a way, we would live in such a way that our hearts are filled with rest, our hearts are at peace with you, and God, that we are able to take on the tragedies, and Father, even the celebrations that come this week with with the hope that, you know what, God, you have given us what we need, and God, you will see us through this. You are our provider. You are our King. You are our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.